today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The mercy of God is when we deserve it, but God says, no, I'm not going to pay you as that deserves. Instead, I'm going to be merciful to you. I'm going to show you mercy. With great mercies, I'm going to gather you. I will have mercy on you. And I love these two words together here in verse 8. Please don't miss them. Everlasting kindness. Wow. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. God has mercy on all of us. Because of human nature, every one of us deserves eternity in hell apart from God. But in today's message, Pastor J.D. shows us that God, through His beautiful grace and mercy, sent Jesus to die on the cross for us so that His sacrifice can bring us eternity with God in heaven. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 54 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The two chapters before us have within them two well-known passages, two well-known promises, actually more, but the first of which is concerning that which is against us, namely that of no weapon forged against us will prosper. Oh, I love this promise. It's a promise here in God's Word for God's people. It applied to them then as it applies to us now. No weapon that is fashioned or formed against God's people will ever prosper or prevail in the end. And actually, this well-known promise and passage here in God's Word ties into a second well-known, maybe in some ways more (laughs) well-known, promise and passage, which is that of how God's ways are not our ways. Meaning that, and here's what I'm thinking, in the end, God will prevail, and no weapon that's forged against us will prosper, but it may not be in the way that we think. Because yes, no weapon forged against us will prosper or prevail, but so too are God's ways, not our ways. So in other words, the way that God is going to take that weapon forged against us and not allow it to prevail is not going to be the way that we think He's going to do it in the end. Because His ways are not our ways. And that's what we're going to see here. So, you ready? All right, let's jump in verse 1, chapter 54. I love this, I love this, I love this. In fact, one commentator suggested of this chapter that just drink it up. Just enjoy it. Take it all in. Because it is such a powerful chapter about rejoicing and praising and thanking God. 
And we see that right out of the shoot. First word in the first verse, sing. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Okay, let's let's try to work through this before we go any further so that we have an understanding. It's going to be germane to our understanding. What's happening here? Well, Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing prophetically to the Israelites who will be in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. And God has used Babylon as the instrument of His discipline and chastisement against His people. And at the time that this is written, and at the time that they would be in captivity in Babylon, they had become so discouraged. In fact, they have been given over to despair under the banner of thinking that God is through with them, God has forgotten them, and here the poetic wording of this, referring to them as being barren. You have to understand in that culture, and it's true to this day in the Middle East, particularly in my culture, if a woman was barren, it was seen as the curse from Almighty God. Surely your barrenness is a sign that there's sin in your life. Because you're barren and unable to have children, it is evidence that God's judgment is upon you. In fact, God's curse is upon you. I know this firsthand. If you'll just indulge me, I'll share with you very personally. As many of you know that my wife and I, it took us 10 years before we could have children. We tried, we would get pregnant, we would lose the babies. Sometimes in the we lost one baby. In fact, it was our first pregnancy. We lost that baby in the second trimester, and we would lose other babies to follow throughout that 10-year journey. And the medical community, certainly they're of no help. They told us that we have what's called unexplained infertility, (laughs) meaning that we can't explain your infertility. Unexplained infertility? Really? That's it? Yeah. And then it's usually followed up by the advice to, you might want to consider adoption, which we actually did, by the way. If any of you know the story, I'm not going to get into it. But for 10 long years, in fact, I made a vow to God that if He would give me a son, that I would sell my business and serve Him all the days of my life. And that's why I'm in the ministry today, because God did exactly that. But for 10 years, we were unable to have children. And going to church was really hard, by the way, because we were always met with that well-intentioned brother and sister in Christ who would suggest in love, of course, that maybe there was unconfessed sin in our lives and that's why we couldn't have children. That maybe 
the judgment of God was on our lives. The heavy hand of the Lord was on our lives. Surely there must be. I had one brother go as far as tell me. <laughs> I mean, not only that there was sin in my life, because he knew me very well before my salvation in my BC days, as we refer to them, he even took it upon himself to point out the actual sin. So not only do you not have children because there's sin in your life, I'm going to actually tell you what sin it is in your life that's keeping you from having children. I'm like, well, thank you so much. God bless you, brother. And then being in my, this is on the mainland, of course, and I have a huge Arab family, and in the Middle East, you can't have children. Oh, you're cursed, because children are everything. And to be barren and to be unable to have children, it was seen as God's cursing you. There's a judgment on you. And this is the imagery that we have here in this first verse in chapter 54. And now the Lord is saying to them, you're no longer barren. Sing, rejoice. And we're going to see now verse 2. <laughs> Enlarge the place of your tent. And let them, by the way, I should probably bring closure to how I shouldn't have just left it open-ended like that. There was not sin in my life, so you know. It was not because of that. Again, God's ways are not our ways. And for 10 years, had it not been for that unexplained infertility, I would not have made a vow to God. And had I not made a vow to God, I would not be here, as is my privilege to, as the pastor of this amazing church, God's ways are not our ways, His thoughts not our thoughts. We, you've heard the expression, I think it's overused sadly, because it, it kind of, it just kind of takes the punch out of it, for lack of a better word. But you've heard that saying, God works in mysterious ways. God works in mysterious ways and His ways are unsearchable. They're too high for our understanding. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I just wanted you to know, I wanted to close that chapter before we moved on to verse 2, and just let you know that I'm a righteous man, and it was not because of any sin in my life. It was because of God's call in my life. And I didn't know it at the time, but now I look back on it 23 and a half years later, and i just like, wow, God, that's amazing. Had you not done that that way, I can't even imagine. So thank you, Lord. As hard as it was. So, okay. Are we good? Everybody good? All right. Verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And here's why, verse 3. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Did you hear that? Not only are you no longer barren, you're going to have so many descendants, you're going to have to enlarge the place of your tent. You're going to have to expand, and don't hold back by the way, 
do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Measure them out and strengthen your stakes because you're going to need them. Because I'm going to pour out such a blessing on you that you will not have room to contain it. I'm going to give you so many descendants, there will not be enough place for those descendants that I'm going to give to you. Verse 4, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. And here's why, verse 5, for your maker, and notice that's capitalized, is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. So you're barren, I'm going to give you descendants. You're widowed, I'll be your husband. I will be whatever you need me to be. This goes into the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, and there is a list. It's a fascinating study, by the way. We did it when we were in the Old Testament. But God will be whatever we need Him to be. And how many widow has been so comforted by passages like this and the many others like them? Where God, and it's not just second best or plan B, I'll be your husband and I will be everything you need and I will be the best husband for you. For the Lord, verse 6, has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment, verse 7, I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. Hang on to that for a second. With a little wrath, verse 8, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Wow, this is, this is kind of heavy in the sense that they were being crushed under the weight of their shame. And God is saying, no longer. They were like this woman that had been rejected and forsaken no longer. Why? In a word, mercy. Mercy. Did you notice it twice here? We'll see it again. It's replete throughout the pages of Holy Writ. God is a merciful God. We oftentimes define mercy, I think, as best we can, as being God not giving us what we do deserve, just like grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. I'll take both, thank you very much. But the mercy of God is when 
we deserve it, but God says, no, I'm not going to pay you as that deserves. Instead, I'm going to be merciful to you. I'm going to show you mercy. With great mercies, I'm going to gather you. I will have mercy on you. And I love these two words together here in verse 8. Please don't miss them. Everlasting kindness. Wow. Do you see God as being kind? Not just the kindness of God, but it's the everlasting kindness of God. You know how long that kindness lasts? Everlasting? I know it's deeply profound, and I don't mean to be cute or coy, but I think you get the point. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness, and His mercies endure forever. They are inexhaustible. They endure forever, everlasting kindness everlasting mercy. God is a merciful God. You know, I remember many years ago when I was young in the faith, and actually young even in the ministry, and and I heard a pastor say that they were learning how to, when they get up every morning, early in the morning will I rise up and seek you, And in that time with the Lord, they were learning how to, with great anticipation, look for God to bless them that day. Now I know that sounds kind of simple at first, but think about that. (laughs) I don't do that. You know what I think when I wake up in the morning? I'm thinking, I'm going to get it today, and I'm thinking God's going to discipline me today, and God's going to convict me today, and the heavy hand of the Lord's going to be on me today. And I think back to when our boys were young, and my wife and I had to sit down with them because they were constantly, well, you know how it is. And we sat down with them, and we had to tell them that contrary to what they believe, we did not wake up in the morning together and think to ourselves, man, I can't wait to spank my children today. No, the opposite is true, and we're earthly parents. Think about it like this, the Lord is looking for a way to show you mercy. And by the way, good thing, because I'm going to give Him plenty of opportunities to show me mercy throughout the day. But do you start your day with that anticipation that God is looking for an opportunity to bless you, to be merciful to you, to be kind to you? He's so gentle and so kind. He never becomes enraged. Could you imagine? Well, how disconcerting would that be? Loving Father in heaven, what? Oh, is this a bad time? No. You know, kindness, lastly, let me just say this. <laughs> I think you would agree. It's kind of a lost art in our day and age, isn't it? Just showing kindness. Oh, it's, 
almost in some ways, if we're honest with ourselves, it's easier to be kind to a stranger than it is to our own family and loved ones, right? Dare I say that we would never treat or talk to a stranger the way we talk to our own loved ones. And it doesn't take much, by the way. <laughs> a little kindness can go a long way. Just a kind word. Just something small when it comes to kindness. So I'm at Costco recently, and I'm in the meat section. I'm looking at the you know ground beef, and there's so many people. Where do these people come from? And I'm just waiting, you know, patiently, and there's, you know, this woman in front of me, and she's getting the, you know, the plastic bags that you rip off the roll. Are you able to open those things, by the way? I, man, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to open this thing, and I make sure it's the right end, and I'm looking for the big letters, open this end. Anyway, enough of my problems. Anyway, so I, I'm waiting for that plastic thing, and then how about ripping it off the roll? I mean, are you able to get just one? I end up with the whole roll, unrolled, trying to rip this. Anyway, again, I'm sorry. I'm enough of my problems. So I'm waiting. So this woman is trying to <laughs> rip the, you know, plastic bag off the roll, and she gets it, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to, because now, you know, because I'm on TV, and so now my identity's been blown. I can no longer, you know, I would have to be put into witness protection. To, but so people see my face, and they oftentimes will say to me, "Hey, where do I, I where do I know you from?" I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then they'll say something like, "Wait, aren't you that pastor?" And and then at first I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> Depends on. <laughs> So, you know, anyway, I, I'm just, I have to be careful now. Because, you, know, so, you know, so I, I'm trying to be patient. Of course, as you know, that's my strong suit. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and she finally gets that bag off that roll. And what does she do? She turns around and gives it to me. Oh, I was so, I was kind of like, oh, I had to repent first. But then it was like, that was, that was so thoughtful of you. That was so, I, I said, you made my whole day. I said, they, you know, people don't do that anymore. That was really nice of you to do that. She's like, no, just here you go. It's fine. I'm like, thank you. And then she got hers and then left, and I thought, wow, I wonder if she was a Christian. The pastor needed to be ministered to in that scenario, but just kindness, man. Verse 9, for this is like the waters of Noah to me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. And here it is again. 
who has mercy on you. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding of the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.